Welcome to the King's Anywhere podcast, inspirational teaching, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whenever you're ready. We're in our series on First Thessalonians, and we're thinking about our value, believing and doing what the Bible says, and we're thinking about 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13 to 18 today. Um, so I'm just going to read from the Bible. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. These words of Paul really speak into uh, a situation that the Thessalonians were facing and that was uh, that the rubber was hitting the road as it were and they were facing the reality of persecution and probably the loss of their loved ones and in that challenge of uh, of that they were in that raw emotion of that Uh, in that hardship of that, their faith was being tested. And so Paul says these words, I don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. And clearly they, they would have been told about the resurrection, but their faith was being tested. And and how much do do you and I know that when uh, when we go through difficult times that our faith is, is tested and we need to stand on the truth that we know and the truth of God's word and that's the, the challenge at this point for the Thessalonian church and Paul recognises that he says I don't want you to be uninformed uh, because it's the truth it's holding on to that it's knowing the truth that will keep you strong and give you hope and give you comfort he's caring for the, for the Thessalonians he wants them to be comforted, to experience the, the comfort of God in their circumstance and situation that they're facing. And he knows that, that that comfort and that hope rests on the truth of God's word. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. And Paul separates out here the fact that Jesus died and rose again. And he makes it clear because of the, the Gnosticism that was around at the time that, that Jesus died. It's very important that we understand in our faith that Jesus both died and died physically and rose again. And he makes that clear in this statement Uh, so that we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. It's because of that, it's because of the cross that we have hope and that we know uh, that God will bring with him those that have died. It's because of what Jesus has done and what he has accomplished on the cross. And Paul is helping the Thessalonians to... In, in that time where of grief where that can just you know cause you to not think clearly and, and to um, have that sense of loss of, of, of the sense of where you are it, it, Paul is saying to them uh, to more deeply form their faith and trust on the resurrection hope 
of Jesus and how many of us you know we face challenges at times and we have a choice in that time don't we do we go more deeply into our faith and trust in in our hope in God or do we allow that to 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 kind of bring a sense of um dislodging and 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 Paul is is encouraging the Thessalonians make that choice and to rest on the trust and faith on the hope of the resurrection of Jesus that's what he's 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 bringing to the Thessalonian church at that time and he's addressing that and he's saying look your immediate needs God has hope God has comfort for you in your immediate needs in your grief so that you don't have to grieve as those that don't know Jesus because of the hope of the resurrection and um, this passage and the passages that, that Paul uses in Thessalonians throughout these two books he he um, draws very very closely from the Matthew narratives that Jesus, where Jesus talks about what's going to happen during the second coming uh, and um, the judgment and, and the signs before his coming. And, and Paul is using the Matthew's gospel. He, he draws out from Matthew's gospel in the first Thessalonians and in two Thessalonians as he's teaching the church on the second coming of, of Jesus. And he's reminding them uh, about that. And Paul's purpose is in this passage that we're looking at to be a shepherd and to bring that hope and that comfort. And he reinforces that comfort by drawing that distinction between those that are dead in Christ will rise first and then those that are alive will join with him uh, in the air at the resurrection of, of Jesus. And so Jesus is coming back and he's coming for those that have died and the reason for that is because of the resurrection in um, the the bible it tells us that um, we cannot our physical bodies cannot inherit eternal life and um, it makes that it makes that clear in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 50 where it says I declare to you brothers and sisters that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable therefore we need the resurrection and we need to be transformed by the work of Jesus on the cross and that takes us right back to the story of the of the Bible, doesn't it? It takes us right back to when Paul, in these in these verses, he, he separates out that Jesus died, but yes, he rose. He's drawing out the story of the Bible that takes us right back to the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve um, were. God created the world and he made it and it was good and he made Adam and Eve and he said it wasn't good for Adam to be alone so he made Eve and he made them he gave them a perfect environment a a, a perfect marriage and he made them responsible uh, and gave them a fulfilling job he he set them in a a rhythm of life uh, where they would rest and work 
so that they could flourish and that he would be with them. Uh, he would spend uh, time with them in that place. He gave them lots of permission and some parameters. And he also told them that if they crossed those parameters, there would be consequences. And it was those consequences that first brought death into the world. So in Genesis 2, it says, You must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And we know how the story unfolds, that Eve and Adam, uh, uh, Eve was deceived, they were both deceived by Satan, and they ate of the fruit of the tree. And so sin came into the human race. And since that day, every, every one of us has been born with a bias within us called sin, a power, if you like, that causes us to do wrong things. And that sin separates us from God and from one another. And the consequences of that sin uh, is death. And Paul clearly draws that out in Romans where he says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So when Adam and Eve sinned, that entered into our human story. And so did death. And they didn't physically uh, drop down (laughs) dead at that moment when they sinned, but something inside of them died, and in the end, they would physically die. And Paul puts it like this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in Ephesians 2.1. Jesus, God's Son, fully God and fully man, came as a baby. He was sinless the only sinless one since Adam and Eve. And he faced all of the temptations that we face and did not sin. And so he's the perfect human being. And he takes all of the punishment that we deserve for our sin. And he took took our place on the cross for us. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So at the cross, Jesus defeated the devil and he dealt with our sin. He was our substitute so that we can now receive a gift that we could never ever earn ourselves, the forgiveness of sin. And there were eternal consequences for sin as we've been talking about and that's death. Jesus conquered death. He rose from the dead. He died physically, but he did not stay in the the grave. Death could not hold him. He rose from the dead, not as a spirit or or a ghost, but in his physical body rose from the dead. And if sin is dealt with, then death is defeated. And the natural result when death is defeated is resurrection. So what impact does this the Bible tell us that this has on us as people. Well, we need to go to 1 Corinthians 15, where it says, If Christ is preached, um, it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead. How can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. 
for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also came through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Paul, in 1 Thessalonians 4, is encouraging and challenging the Thessalonians. That, that what we do with our body matters. He is reminding them that there will be a miraculous bodily resurrection of the dead at the return of Jesus. And you know, a couple of weeks ago in our, in our podcast, we heard about the importance of our sex life. We, we heard about the importance of our work life and what we do in the body matters. And the reason for that is we are having a, we're going to be physically resurrected. Our bodies go with us into eternity and so what we do with our body the way that we handle our body the holiness of our physical body is important sin has been defeated at the cross and um, we are now going to be resurrected uh, from the dead it's like the the plug has been pulled on death at the resurrection of of jesus and that is our hope and Paul is reinforcing this to the Thessalonians in their grief that um, that their hope is in the resurrection of Jesus but he ties it all together he doesn't he doesn't leave us there um, we, we know uh, as we've said that God is immortal and this physical body can't inherit immortality it's only through the resurrection that our physical bodies can take on eternity and can take on eternal life and, and Paul poses this question in again in 1 Corinthians 15 where he says um, but someone may ask how will the dead be raised what kind of bodies will they have what a foolish question When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever you are planting. Then God gives it the new body he wants it to have. A different plant grows from each kind of seed. It is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Praise God. Thank you, God. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. Nothing is impossible for God. And the Thessalonians are given an eternal perspective with, with these words as, as Paul is talking to them about the resurrection hope. And he's wanting them to be encouraged. 
And, and if we see this perspective, we can live in the present to please God. It impacts how we live now in our relationships and in our responsibilities as we are heading for the resurrection of our, of our bodies, of, of ourselves completely. And that is our hope that we can look forward to. And as we, as we read on in, in our verses in Thessalonians, he says in verse 15, According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left, until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. And this is a really interesting verse because it's not included, that information is not included in the Matthew narratives that Paul is building on. And, but he says, according to the Lord's word, he puts full weight to this um, truth. And so, you know, was this an oral uh, tradition? Was this a revelation of directly from Jesus uh, to, to Paul? Uh, we, we, uh, we can speculate about those things, but we do know that this is part of the, the truth that has been revealed to Paul about the resurrection and the second coming. And um, this is could be about when Jesus says that the Spirit will lead you into all truth. And this has um, been revealed to Paul, and Paul is giving it the full weight of God's truth, uh, that the Holy Spirit has led him into all truth about this fact, about the second coming and it's this, that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Paul is teaching in, uh, us in the order of the resurrection, what's going to happen when Jesus comes. And he continues to, to talk to us in verse 16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with a trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And he, he talks about Jesus descending from heaven and that we will rise and that there'll be a loud command. Um, it's not, not just um, a loud noise. This is going to be an authoritative command that the whole world is going to hear. And Paul is bringing us back here to the verse in Matthew 24 uh, and verse uh, 31 uh, again uh, and it's paralleling that uh, that that verse and I'm just going to read that to you and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds and from the end of the heavens from one end of the heavens to the other and so Paul in Thessalonians is paralleling uh, that verse. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. The archangel there, quite likely to be uh, the archangel Michael, that is mentioned in the Daniel uh, narratives, in Daniel 12. Um, but we know that when Jesus comes... Uh, there's going to be it's going to be audible and it's going to be visual and he's going to call out to his church to be gathered uh, to to him and um, 
I, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, the Avengers uh, Assemble film, um, that point where the Avengers all assemble. Well, that's going to have nothing on this day when Jesus comes to gather his his church. And remember him being in Jerusalem where he says he, he was like a, a, a hen or a mother hen wanted to gather the chicks uh, together. That's how he felt about Jerusalem. And there's in that heart of God that 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 wanting to gather uh, his people to him, to be with him forever. And we, we catch the heart of God in the second coming uh, when Jesus comes back to gather his whole church, wherever they are, wherever they've gone, they will be gathered together to be with the Lord forever. And can't you catch the heart of God for his church, for his people, wanting to be with us forever, wanting to bring us from wherever we are, for those that have died in Christ, those that are still alive. He's gathering us all up together with him. And you can just hear the heart of God. And, you know, when we have um, uh, when we have birthday parties, when we have weddings, the, we, we want to gather, don't we? We want to gather people together to celebrate those things. And that's something within humanity that, that wants to do that. Here we have a picture of the heart of God for his church to gather us for, together. The invitation will, will arise, that, that trumpet will, will go out and we will hear that invitation. We will recognise that invitation and we will be invited to gather with the coming of Jesus, the second coming of Jesus. And, um, you know, when, uh, when um, on Palm Sunday we have that picture, don't we, of people going outside of the city to meet Jesus on the donkey coming into Jerusalem. And there was that, there was that sense of that, of people going outside of the city. And there's almost that sense here of, of us being going out to meet Jesus, to, to meet that dignitary that, that uh, very often that's what they did uh, to, to do that, to go out and meet that, that person that was coming into the city. We're going to go out to meet Jesus in the air, to meet the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords in the air at Jesus' second coming. And that is our hope. So, so Paul, he takes what, what, what hope he gives to the Thessalonians in these verses. He just takes them on this journey. He makes it clear to them about the resurrection, about the resurrection hope. And then he, he leads them through that into the second coming of Jesus and that, it, that at that point our bodies are going to be resurrected we're going to join the Lord of Lords the King of Kings when he returns and we are going to be gathered we are going to be gathered church and it, it gives us a perspective doesn't it on the present when we look at it like that when we see that we're going to be gathered None of the things that exist now, like denominations or any separation between us, is going to exist on that day when we are gathered together to be with our Saviour, Jesus, forever. All that will just fall away. And when we see that, when we look at that, you know, in the heart of God is the gathering of his people. In your heart, in my heart, there should be the gathering of the church there should be the calling together of the church. There should be the unity of the church because that's where we are heading for. 
that day of being gathered to God, gathered to Jesus forever. And, you know, our mind, our imagination, can't Im- we can't grasp what that's going to be like. It's amazing. It just blows your mind to, to start to think about what that's going to look like. Our relationship with Jesus will change at that point. We're going to be with him in his presence in that way at his second coming forever. And that's our hope and that's what we have to look forward to. So let's live now holy. Let's live holy lives in our physical bodies as well because our physical bodies are going to be raised at the resurrection. Let's have our hope when we in our grief that we know that death is not the end. It's been defeated at the cross by Jesus. He's paid the price. He's pulled the plug on sin and death. And now we have the hope of the resurrection. And I just want to just give that hope to you today as you're listening to these words. Um, Be encouraged. Encourage one another with these words. Take hold of these words. Take hold of your future hope of the resurrection of, of Jesus. God, I just want to thank you for the hope that we have, Lord, in you. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you are the resurrection and the life and that our hope is in you, that one day we are going to be transformed, that this mortal body that we have is going to take on eternal life, Lord, that one day, not only that, because of the resurrection, not only that, we're going to be with you, Lord Jesus, forever. And I pray, God, for those that are listening, that you would fill our minds and our hearts with that hope afresh today, God. And that you would help us to live in the light of the fact that you are coming back for your church and that we're going to be with you forever. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. To find out more about King's Church Warrington, visit our website or find us on Facebook and Instagram.